from D. James Kennedy Ministries. This is Kennedy Classics. Hello, I'm Frank Wright, president of D. James Kennedy Ministries, where we are standing for truth and defending your freedom. Welcome to Kennedy Classics. I hope you'll take some time to visit our ministry website, where you can find a great digital library filled with valuable content. It's all available online at djkm.org. You may have heard it said that there are not enough hours in the day. You may have even said that yourself at some point. This is a common state of being for many, wrapped up in busy lives and overwhelmed by life's daily demands. Whether it's being overworked at our jobs or having to deal with important obligations at home or even having too many social engagements with friends, we are increasingly telling ourselves that we don't have enough room in our schedules for all we need to do. Well, what happens when we run out of margin in our lives? Sadly, the mundane things which can be so demanding will generally drive out the important things. Time spent with family and closest friends, time spent learning and improving ourselves, and most importantly, time spent with God. Why is it so hard to find room for Christ in our busy lives? Are we really so busy that we can find no time for Him? Are we so busy that we cannot set aside time to read the Scriptures? Can we really find no time for prayer and meditation beyond the quick prayers that we tend to fire off on the run? One of our Christmas traditions speaks of there being no room for Christ at the inn. These many years later, it seems this frenetic world still has no room for him. Dr. Kennedy speaks of this spiritual poverty in his message, Still No Room. And now if you will turn in your Bibles, please, to the second chapter of the Gospel according to St. Luke, that oh-so-very-familiar Christmas story we've all heard a thousand times. May God grant unto us fresh ears to hear it as if for the very first time. May we hear the inspired revelation of the living God. Luke chapter 2, verse 1. And it came to pass in those days that there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed. And this taxing was first made when Cyrenius was governor of Syria, and all went to be taxed, every one into his own city. And Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Judea, unto the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David to be taxed with Mary, his espoused wife, being great with child. And so it was that while they were there, the days were accomplished that she should be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son 
and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the end. And may God, the Holy Spirit, who inspired these words, speak to our hearts and lives through them this day. And may his name ever be praised. Amen. Like an invisible hand, the will of Caesar Augustus moved that weary couple irresistibly ever farther southward. Out of Nazareth, down through Samaria, into Judea, past Jerusalem, until at length, foot-weary and tired, they entered the northern gate of the little town of Bethlehem. For Caesar Augustus sat upon his throne in Rome, supposing himself to be the ruler of the world, and from him a decree had gone out that all the world should be taxed. And so they had gone each one to his own city to be enrolled or registered. But what Augustus did not know was that a greater hand than his was controlling even him. For the heart of the king is in the hands of the Lord, and he turneth it whithersoever he will. And God chose to use him to bring to pass the prophecy written 500 years before. But thou, Bethlehem Ephrata, Though thou be least among the princes of Judah, yet out of thee shall he come forth unto me, who shall rule my people Israel, whose goings forth have been from old, even from everlasting. That out of the tiny city of Bethlehem there was to come forth one who had been going on forever, who was to be the ruler of God's Israel, the Christ, the Savior of the world. That one who had been promised, who had been prophesied over 300 times the prophecies had been given that he would come. And now, at last, the day had arrived and Christ is to be born. But we read, there was no room for them in the end. And they were turned away. There was no place to stay, for they had come late, for they had traveled far from the northern parts of Palestine. And Mary was not a swift traveler, for she was due to give birth to her child. And so they went to the only place they could find, which was a stall out behind the inn where the oxen and asses and other animals were kept and fed. And there, making what privacy they could, Mary, the Virgin Mary of Jesus, the Virgin Mother of Jesus, gave birth to her child and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger. The Bible says that he was in the world and the world was made by him and the world knew him not. And he came unto his own and his own received him not. No, there was no room. What amazing condescension that he who had lived in the porphyry palaces of paradise would come down and be born in the filth of a stable. For this was no ivory stable. This was a real stable with real animals and real filth. 
and real stench. And into that, the Son of God, the purest being ever to set foot on this planet, was born. This was but a picture of what would be true of him all of his life. There was no room for him when he was born. There was no room for him while he lived. He said, the foxes have holes and the birds of the nest of the air have nests, but the Son of Man hath not where to lay his head. And there is an interesting passage, one verse found at the end of the seventh chapter of John, and the second one found at the first of the eighth chapter, and I had never put them together before until finally I saw this, and there's a great poignancy about it, I think. At the last of the seventh chapter it says, And every man went unto his own house. Jesus went unto the mount. There it was that Jesus went up into a mountain while others went to their homes, for he had no home. He had nowhere to lay his head. There was no room for him. When he was born, there was no room for him. When he lived, and when finally he died, they even had no tomb. They buried him in a borrowed tomb. Some unknown poet, I think, put it very beautifully. He said, they borrowed a bed to lay his head when Christ the Lord came down. They borrowed an ass for the mountain pass through which he rode to town. But the crown that he wore and the cross that he bore were his own. That cross was his own. They borrowed the bread when the crowd he fed on a grassy mountainside. They borrowed the dish of broken fish with which he satisfied. But the crown that he wore and the cross that he bore were his own. That cross was his own. They borrowed a ship for him to sit when he taught the multitude. They borrowed a nest for him to rest. He had never a home so crude, but the crown that he wore and the cross that he bore were his own. That cross was his own. They borrowed a room on the way to a tomb, the Passover lamb to eat. They borrowed a cave, for him a grave. They borrowed the winding sheet, but the cro crown that he wore and the cross that he bore were his own. That cross was his own. I've always liked that poem. It's touched my heart many times. But you know, there's one thing about it. It's not true. That cross was not his own. That cross was yours. And that cross was mine. We deserved that penalty. Mine, mine was a transgression, but thine the deadly pain. No, that cross was ours, and Jesus came and took it in our place. In our place. 
It's interesting. In the Greek text of our verse today, when it says there was no room for him in the inn, the Greek word is tapos. It means place, as in topography. It's the same word that we find later in John when he says, Jesus said, in my Father's house are many mansions. I go to prepare a place for you. Tapas. Heaven is not a state of mind. It's a place. But there was no place for Jesus in this world. Well, not quite. We did at length find for him a place. In the munificence of our hearts, we at last found for him a place. When they were come to the place tapas, called Golgotha, which is being interpreted a place tapas of a skull, there they crucified him. Yes, we finally found a place for him. It was not even on the earth, but somewhere between heaven and earth we hung him up upon a cross, and at last we had found for him a place and we put him in his place there upon the cross. There was no room for him any time in his life. Is there a room in your heart for him? There's no room in so many people's schedules. They haven't got time for Christ. There's no time for reading of the Bible. There's no time for prayer or meditation. There's no time to serve him. Oh, there's time for everything else. But there's no time for Christ. No room for him in our schedules. No room for him in our giving. Or for many, very little room. No, it's not a matter of more money. It's a matter of more love, more room for Christ in the heart. Because if Christ lives in our hearts, then we will want to do that. We'll want to serve him. We'll want to make him know. How much have you served Christ this year? How much have you witnessed to him? How many people have you told of his love and his grace? Why is it that there's so little room in so many hearts for Christ? Well, it's no doubt, there's no doubt, it's largely because of the fact that many people are simply preoccupied with their daily affairs, the tyranny of the urgent. They've got to get up and get to work, and they've got so many things to do, and their schedule is so full, there just isn't any place for Christ. The material world and its demands eat up all of their time, like Pharaoh's lean kine that ate up all of the rest and were not the better but the worse for it. And so it is, as we press for more and more of the material world, we find that we have less and less satisfaction and happiness and joy in our lives. People spend so much of their time concentrating on the things of this world that they have no thoughts for the world which is to come. As Dr. Lewis Evans put it one time, we spend our whole lives digging for 
clams in the mud flats of materialism where God created us for the stars. Yet how many thoughts do we have about that? About the everlasting home that Christ has prepared us for and which we should be preparing ourselves for now. Many people, most people, the vast majority of people spend far more time planning a two-week vacation than where they're going to spend the next 200 trillion billion eons of centuries. How stupid can we be? No time and no room for Christ. And I think another thing that causes many people to have no room for Christ are the cares and worries and anxieties and fears of this world. The cure for care is Jesus Christ. Christian in Pilgrim's Progress staggered up the hill of Calvary and knelt there before the cross and that huge burden on his back suddenly broke loose and rolled down the hill and into an empty tomb never to be seen again. And so the burden of care and worry as well as sin and guilt can break loose and fall as we lift our eyes to Christ. Your life ultimately will be judged on this very thing, the room you made in your life for Christ. Thirty years or more ago, I spoke to my father about Christ, and he said to me, Jim, I've got so many problems and so many troubles and so many cares in this world right now, I haven't even got time to think about the world to come. And so he turned his back on the one person who could have helped him with all of those troubles, the person who could have lifted him up and delivered him from all of that care and worry and was promised to provide for all of those that are his out of his riches and glory. Thirty years later, he finally put his trust in Christ a month before he died, and he told a friend of mine, Oh, I only wish I had done this many years ago. All of the care and the burdens and the worries that he carried because he hadn't come to Christ. And I think the pleasures of the world keep many people from Christ. And surely the pleasures of this world are pleasant, Sin has its pleasure for a season, but that season soon is over, and then the horrid time of judgment comes. But at the right hand of God there are pleasures forevermore. In His presence is joy. He is the King of joy, and He will fill our hearts with a joy that we know nothing about if we don't know Him. As one song puts it, You'll never know life until you really know Him. He came that we might have life and have it abundantly and have it eternally. We can have it when we come to trust in Him. Why should we make room for Him in our lives? He created us and owns us. We belong to Him. That in itself is reason enough. He came unto His own, but His own received Him not. More than that, he will make us the sons of God. He will purify and cleanse and bless our lives in ways that we don't know anything about. 
He will give us reason and purpose and meaning to life. You know, I've never found an unbeliever that could answer this question. Why are you here? What are you living for? I would ask you that. What are you living for? Apart from Christ, there is no meaning to life. There is no purpose to life. There is no significance to life. But Christ supplies all of those things. He will give you meaning and purpose beyond anything that you've ever imagined. He has a wondrous plan for all that trust in him. And more than that, he will give you everlasting life. He went to provide a place, to prepare a place for us. Ah, dear friend, he went to a cross to prepare that place. And he suffered and agonized in ways that we could never even conceivably understand. It pleased the Lord to bruise him. He hath put him to grief. He endured in his own body and soul the infinite wrath of the Almighty God which should have been poured out upon us. He so loved us that he came and died in our place. And he went to provide a place for us. Yes, Jesus has provided room for us, and not just a, a room, but a mansion for all of those that will trust in him, a mansion everlasting. Is that yours? Ah, dear one, though there was no room in the inn, there is room at the cross for you. Room for all, for all of those that know that they are sinners, that know that they have shut the living God who created them out of their lives. What a terrible sin that is, to reject Christ all of those years, to refuse him all of the years of service and worship that you could have given. Not another day. Make this the time that you say, Lord, come in. There is room in my heart for thee. But if you do not wish him to come into your life, if you do not wish him to have any part in your life, then may I say that in that great day, that final day, that great assize when all the world shall stand before the judgment throne of God and the books of destiny will be opened and judgments and decisions will be made about the eternal destinies of men and women, then your wish will be fulfilled and you will have nothing to do with him forever and you will hear his words depart from me there is no room for you may we pray Oh God, may each of us here open wide the door to the end of our hearts and say, Lord Jesus, come and dwell with me. May there be none so vile as to relegate him to the stable of our lives, saying, no room, Lord, for thee. But say, come into my heart, Lord Jesus. I enthrone you as King and Lord and Savior. I repent of my sins. I determine from this day forward to follow thee, 
to trust thee, to live for thee, to serve thee with all of my strength and might and all that I am. I pray that you will make me what I ought to be and use me in this world for your glory. Yes, O Christ, there is room in my heart for thee. In thy name, amen. Did you ask Christ to come and live forever in your heart as Dr. Kennedy just prayed? If so, I encourage you to write this date down so that you'll never forget your spiritual birthday. And to help you begin to grow in your new faith, we have a special gift that we'd like to send you. It's Beginning Again, the book Dr. Kennedy wrote for new believers. It has answers to some of the questions that you may have, as well as the book of John from the New Testament, and much more. To receive your copy, just write to our address or call our toll-free number, and be sure to ask for Beginning Again. God bless you as you do. As Dr. Kennedy tells us, while it seems that there's no room for Christ in the world, there is, however, room for us at the foot of the cross, room for all who believe in Jesus Christ. It's the simple and clear truths like this that make Dr. Kennedy's sermon so powerful. One of Dr. Kennedy's most famous books is titled Truths That Transform. This book examines key principles of Christian doctrine, such as holiness, Christ's return, eternal security, heaven, and much more. This amazing book presents scriptural answers to all of these important issues in easy-to-understand language. If you have only one of Dr. Kennedy's books in your library, it should be this book. We will be happy to send you a copy of the book, Truths That Transform, as our thanks for your generous donation to the ongoing work of this ministry. Simply write to us at D. James Kennedy Ministries, Box 11164, Fort Lauderdale, Florida, 33339, or call toll-free 888-332-3069, or you can go online to djkm.org. As you give, you will also be helping us launch our most exciting new initiative in years, the D. James Kennedy Center for Christian Leadership. Operated out of the Capitol Hill offices of our Center for Christian Statesmanship in Washington, D.C., this initiative will identify future Christian leaders with great potential and train them in biblical worldview, constitutional principles, as well as the practical skills needed to be effective in government. We have already launched this ambitious effort and we need you to stand with us if we are to achieve these important goals. If you are able to give a generous donation of $75 or more, we will send you the book, Truths That Transform, plus the audio version of the book. This six CD audio book is the perfect way for you to listen to this great content while you're on the go. That's the book Truths That Transform plus the audio book as our thanks for your generous donation of $75 or more. Or we will send you the book alone for your generous donation of the ongoing work of this ministry. Simply write to us at D. James Kennedy Ministries, Box 111164, Fort Lauderdale, Florida, 33339. 
or call toll-free 888-332-3069 or go online to djkm.org. I'm Frank Wright. Thanks for joining us for this edition of Kennedy Classics. We'll see you next time. Today's program is available on DVD or audio CD for your gift to this ministry of any amount. Please call, write, or log on to our website today. This has been a production of D. James Kennedy Ministries.